Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. It is the 1st of October in the year 2020, the year that many people just want to put past them. Just a couple months left until 2021. Exciting guests on today's pod. He was a star at St. Bonaventure, 25 points a game as a senior, shot nine threes a game, still shot close to 40%, something you didn't see much of 20 years ago, but he was a baller on the court. He's now the head coach at Cleveland Heights, which we're going to get to his alma mater, where the famed number 22 is retired. Coach J.R. Bremer, it's a pleasure to bring you on across the Cavs today. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, J.R., I'm good, but tell us, how, how have you been? Obviously, you know, being a coach and basketball being a very physical sport, it must have been kind of hard early on during COVID to keep the team together and everything. So how did you spend your early months and how are things now in comparison? Yeah, it was very difficult, especially when, when COVID hit, because you, like you said, you couldn't be hands-on. Uh, you weren't allowed to be with the guys. They had set rules where there was no, no contact, no in-person contact. So we tried to get unique and do things over Zoom calls and have workouts over Zoom that I would lead just to try to keep the chemistry together and keep the guys active to make, so I can make sure that they acted. They checked in probably twice a week where we did something online on Zoom. And I put them through a little workout. And then how is everything full speed now? Is it half speed? What's the situation in uh with today today, October first? Today we're we're full go. I mean, you still we're still limited on the number of players that we can have in the gym at one time. So we uh we have two or three different groups that come in for like an hour, hour and a half. But uh we're in the gym working, the guys are working, they're they're putting up shots, they're lifting weights, they're conditioning, so everything's a go so far. Uh, it's good to hear, obviously. It's not going to be fully the same for a while, but, yeah, great to hear you guys are able to get in the gym and get back to it. And last night, you know, uh, not exactly the first game of the finals anyone expected. Not only did the Lakers dominate the Heat, if you look at the final score, you think it was a little closer. It all happened late. Bam gets hurt. Goron gets hurt. Jimmy gets hurt. Kendrick Nunn ends up scoring 18. Uh, so uh, it seems pretty set now with who's going to win. But, uh, Coach, what's your pick for the NBA Finals? Yeah, I had, I had picked the Lakers in, in five or six before last night. And then after seeing last night, I don't, I don't see Miami getting the game anymore. So I got the, the Lakers in a sweep. And it's tough, right? Because, you know, we, we think they're going to come in. They got a lot of tough guys. They got Jimmy and Bam. You know, they got the vets with Goron and, and, and former Cav Jay Crowder. They got Tyler Hero. And it just seems as soon as Hero made that second three and the Lakers went to timeout, even before the injuries truly started, it just all went downhill for them. Yeah, it did. They jumped out on the Lakers, and I, and that's what I expected just because they're, they're a gritty team and they, they don't back down from anybody. So I figured that um, it would be a, a really good game. And then after that timeout, the Lakers came in with a different mindset, and it just, it, they just took it over. But it's the, the heater, they're, they're gritty, they're hard, they play hard, but they're – they don't have much experience in the, in, in the finals. They don't have a lot of players that, that has played on that stage in their career. And that's, that's a big thing to have, even if you're not a player that plays on the court. Like, even if you're on the bench, that experience is there. And I think Udonis Haslam, and uh, he might be the only one that has played in the finals. Iguodala as well. Iguodala, yes. Iguodala, he sure did. But the issue there is as we move ahead, Andre Iguodala, is as effective as he can be in being in all these finals, he plays a much different role for the Heat than the Warriors. I mean, you have to worry about Steph and Clay and even KD. So you just throw him the ball and no one's going to care. But now 
you know, the Lakers aren't taking their eyes off anybody. And LeBron losing Iguodala three times is not lost on him. So this might be – that might be his – what he's using to get through. But all right, uh, Coach. So we all know J.R. Bremer, the basketball player, the legend, the coach. But why don't you tell us three facts about J.R. Bremer that the public might not know, that maybe only your inner circle knows about you? Uh, three fun facts. Well, I was a really good football player all the way up until high school, but I stopped playing and, and concentrated on strictly basketball once I got to Cleveland Heights. Another fan, fun fact is I lost my middle tooth when I was probably four or five years old and all the way up through college. I never had a, I had a tooth. Awesome. Oh, so big gap in there. Yeah, you know, it was a big gap. And, and it, it didn't look crazy. You know, sometimes you see people and it looks, it looks different, but, when I got my tooth, I had to get one. When I when I signed with the Celtics, we had to go go to the dentist and get the procedures done. And I looked weird when I had a tooth because it's been it was so many years that I didn't have one. A lot of people that told me that. Third fun fact: everybody here in in, um, in America they they know me as a scorer, as a shooter. And if I tell people that over in Europe, they wouldn't believe me because they know me as a pure point guard, straight facilitator. And if I come home and I tell you guys here that I was passed first, and all I did was pass over in Europe. Everybody here would laugh at me like, there's no way. You never passed when you were here. So two different sides of the world, two different basketball players, I guess. I don't know. And a quick draw on the tooth. So then when it came to picture day, were you going strictly full mouth smile, or were you still going? Were you still showing the teeth? Big smile. Because that's, I smile a lot. You know, that's one of my, one of my features that I give. So I, it, was, it was a huge smile. I didn't think anything of it. <laughs> that's good to hear. And, yeah, you know, you never know. You play with different people, and, you know, they see a different side. It's whatever it takes to help the team win, whether you got to pick up 15 assists, you know, Rondo in Sacramento, or you got to just be, you know, you just got to go full Michael Jordan or Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, they can be compared now. That, that, that's the time we're in. But it's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, just, it's different because nobody, nobody knows me as a passer here. It's just shoot, 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 and you go get the rebound. That's how I was my, for my career pretty much from high school through college. And then it's just – my game changed, I guess, over in Europe where I was more of a passer. And they don't think, they don't think I could shoot or score at all. It's, it's weird. Well, by the end of college, you're averaging 25 a game. And then you're averaging nine a game as a Celtic rookie on a team with some good vets on it. You still – you guys made the playoffs and even advanced. So, we're going we're gonna to get to that. But it's just, you know, you've you got to play the style that you need. And, obviously, you can see that with any NBA player. LeBron knows. I mean, we, we'll, play, we'll compare you to LeBron, Cleveland guys. You know, some, some game, JR, you know, he needs to put up 40 points for them to win. And some games, he, need, he knows that he'll get his, just worry about finding the other guy and threading the needle. Right. I mean, it's pretty much the role that, you, that your coach gives you and what, what he needs you to do. In college, when I scored the 25 a game, he needed me to score. That was, all, that was, that was on my mind, have the green light and score. And with Boston, when I played with such, such great players, they just needed me to knock down the three. When, uh, when, when people left me. So different roles calls for different styles of play. You got to be able to adjust if you want to be a really good basketball player. And having played the NBA Live the year you were in Boston, JR, I can confirm your three-point rating. I'm sure you remember playing it. Your three-point rating was very high. Right? Yeah, it was, it was 80-something. It was, it was really high. I, was, I, couldn't, I can't say that I was surprised, but I think I was um, the top three-point shooting rookie percentage-wise that, that year. So it was uh, it was exciting just to see myself on the screen with my name and that and that high of a three point percentage. And we're gonna get we're gonna touch more on your rookie season, but finishing off the personal section, two actors. If Jr., I'd say they're in a movie 
you're going to skip the trailer and just see it because they're in it. Who are those two for you? Martin Lawrence and Denzel Washington. I, great choices, honestly. You know? <laughs> but you know, it's funny though. I love Martin Lawrence's body of work, but I always bring myself back to rebounds every time. <laughs> yeah, I love every, anything he comes out with. I have even his TV series. I still watch that. Uh, Martin, to this day. Yep. It, come, it comes on BET and I, I watch it all the time and I can probably recite every single word of most of the episodes now, but I still laugh and love watching them. Yeah, definitely. And then Denzel's great. And I, I can think of a ton that he's done. Uh, one that I think of first and one that, that kind of sticks with me more is the great debaters 2008. Mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. I remember seeing it in theaters and every, every part about that movie was fantastic. And just him as a leader there and just oh, a lot of the roles he takes, he just becomes the leader on screen and whatever role he's playing. So I love, love right. him. Okay, JR. So now we're on to Boston where you're an extremely effective scorer for most of the year, and you hit threes at a rate. I, I compare to Kyle Korver because, funny enough, in, you know, you came into the league, three-point shooters weren't as important per se. So someone that can make one is huge. Kyle Korver, still to this day, who's had an all-star season, he's among the top ten all time. The most threes he ever made was in his second year when he made 226. And you weren't far from 200 in your rookie season. So – what was the big key for you uh, in Boston, having that success as a scorer and as a three-point specialist? I, I think the key was uh, the confidence that the coach, the coaching staff gave me. You know, that's big for a player when the, when the staff has confidence in you that if you miss a shot, you should, you should take the next one. And then, you know, they let me know that if I'm open and they want me to shoot it. And even the guys, Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker, they knew that the guys were going to leave me to help, to try to help double-team them. And, and I needed to knock down the shot, so it would make or miss. They wanted me to keep shooting it, and they let me know if I didn't shoot it, that would be the time that I would get subbed out the game. So that's that's incredible to hear, to know that if you shooting, you won't get subbed, but if you don't shoot, you're going to get subbed. So, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't get much better than that. And the guys, they, they found me a lot, and, 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 I let it, and I let it go. And in that season, JR, you were, a fan, you were great all season. You guys got to the second round of the playoffs, which is going to be our next subject. But maybe it's more of a chip on your shoulder than it being a special award. But what was it like? You know, you go undrafted, and then you're on the all-rookie team for your efforts your first season. How did that make you feel as a player? It made me feel incredible because, I mean, pretty much my whole career I was, I was the underdog. Like, you know, in high school, no, I, my name didn't get mentioned much. I wasn't ranked. And, in college, I went to um, I mean, he was D one, but I didn't get a, I didn't get many offers, and then I just progressed progressed every year. And coming out of college, I thought I was going to get drafted, probably in the first round. That was the run that I was hurt after doing so many different workouts. And on draft day, I didn't get drafted at all. So that just that just added fuel to the fire, you know. And it kept and it kept motivating me. And even with the Celtics, probably the first thirty games, I I don't think I was, I don't think I played thirty minutes total. But they always told me, Rook, you gotta, you have to be ready. You're gonna get opportunities. That's how this league works. But you gotta maximize that opportunity because you might not get another one. And that's what I did. Coach had um, coach had told me that the point guard that got hurt, another point guard wasn't shooting well, and he called me to the office and said I was gonna start the next game from playing zero minutes the game before. And I tried, I took advantage of it. And being able to be on that all rookie team for playing probably a half a season uh, says a lot about about what hard work and. Uh, consistency and pers per being persistent does. He ended up with 61 starts for, or excuse me, 41 starts for the season, 8.3 points, couple rebounds, 
still almost three assists, which is real on a team with with Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. He still managed to put up almost three assists, which really is solid. But we, we talk about them now, you know, uh, Paul and Antoine. This was a solid team. Yeah, Tony, mm-hmm. Tony Delk also had a 50-point game in his career, not as well-known. You know, you had Vin Baker, Hartford's first NBA player. A lot of cool stories on this team. You know, Mikey Moore became a favorite when he got to the Nets. He wasn't playing much then, but you guys got to the playoffs in your own season in Boston, JR. So, obviously, you know, the, the Nets were just real hot that year coming in. Obviously, must have been hard to get swept by them as a division rival. But what, what do you, how do you grade your time in the playoffs? You did beat. Reggie Miller's team in a playoff series that must have been cool you know maybe grew up watching him a little bit yeah I mean the playoffs is a completely different atmosphere I mean it's it's I wouldn't say night and day but it's a completely different basketball game in that first series versus the Pacers which which team that is real gritty and 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 they play really hard and they had Al Harrington also and Ron Artest and Jermaine O'Neal and Tinsley those guys you know they that was a that was a great team to play and we were we were fortunate enough to to be able to play our game and stick stick with what we knew and, and move on to the second round. And when we got we got in front of the Nets, who were playing incredible basketball for them three, four years, even after that, it was it was hard to get swept. But I would I would grade it as a for me personally, I would grade it as a a, a C plus or a B, just because I'm hard on myself. And uh, for the team, it's hard it's hard to grade because that was my first time being there, so I didn't know what to expect and what was um, expected of, of us. Yeah, definitely. Definitely not the result you wanted, but still cool. You know, you say as, as a rookie, not too many rookies make the all-rookie team and have playoff success at, in any way. Obviously, Tyler Heroes just set the bar at a new high this year, but still, you know, you see different guys coming in, and it's just great to be able to play a role on a team that is in the playoffs. You know, maybe a comparison, maybe – I'm not sure this is a good one for me, like a Landry Shamit type where the role – you come in as a rookie, you're in the playoffs, and you just got to come in and knock down shots and, and play your role. Yep, that's, that's what it was, play defense and knock down the shot. That was, that was my role, and uh, I tried to do that to the, to the fullest, especially on the defensive end, because I know that's – that especially in the playoffs where the half-court set is more – is more utilized in transition. You don't get as much. So that was one of my my bigger attributes was was defense. So I I focused on that the most in the playoffs, and I I had some good guards to play to to try to guard. And now it takes us to the land, Cleveland, Ohio, where you began the next season. So right off the bat, you know, you went from Jim O'Brien to Paul Silas, two real solid veteran head coaches. But but Jr., what was the biggest difference starting things off between playing in Boston? And playing with Cleveland, that, the biggest difference is the was the style of play. I would say that would be that was a uh, to start just the uh, the way we played in Boston. We shot a lot of threes. We got up and down. We spread the court, and uh, everybody could shoot probably except for maybe Tony Batia, who was at the, who was at the five position. And, and Cleveland, it was a little bit more. Um, we didn't have as have as many shooters, and we just ran our offense different differently. Yeah, you ran with Carlos Boozer and, and not yet shooting threes to Junis Ogales. I guess he had rookie LeBron, which we're going to touch on in a minute. The only guy to actually average at least a three, and he only played 30 games, was Jeff McKinnis, who solid, solid playing career, you know, with the Nets and Cavs and some other teams. But, yeah, very different style. You had Ira Newble. Back then, small forwards didn't have to shoot. He only mm-hmm. won for the whole season. I, I really – Maybe to make a Cleveland comparison, maybe Larry Nance Sr., but the really you, you look over the last 
20 years, there's very few small forwards that have had any success that can't shoot. Maybe the only one modern, JR, to me would be Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. He's already Kidd, Right, right. I definitely agree. And then because a lot of the small forwards, they've transitioned into being able to shoot because they know that's a, that's a necessity now, especially in the league. And so, JR, you played 31 games uh, while you were with the Cavs. So do you have any favorite memories of playing? And who are some of your favorite teammates uh, from your brief time in Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, the, the favorite memory is, is for sure the first, the, the first game in Sacramento. You know, it was the, the media was crazy. It was LeBron's first game. So everything, the hype, the media, the, the, the arena, the atmosphere, everything was at the highest level possible. And I was able to to get some playing time and, and uh, have an impact on that game. Unfortunately, we lost, but that was probably my favorite game in Cleveland, for sure. For sure. And, you know, the, anyone that watches NBA TV or even Fox Sports Ohio, that game is constantly replayed. So you ever want to see J.R. Brammer getting some buckets in that very first game of LeBron? Now, forget about LeBron just for a minute. Let's talk about J.R. Brammer. He got in the game. He did it. <laughs> but you know how it is, you know, but that must have been – just real special, obviously. And then on LeBron, what was it like, you know, being around the young LeBron? And did you guys go through rookie hazing together? I, 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 no, I'm sorry, you weren't. That's my, did he, was LeBron ever hazed, I should say? Oh, no. I mean, he had to bring in donuts on, on the game days. Like, uh, that, was his, that was his job to bring in some donuts sometimes. He couldn't find them at the... At the um, stores that he went to so he was all over the city trying to trying to find the donuts but other than that it was it wasn't much but he that was his responsibility to have the donuts for the guys so there's no no Dora backpack or carry my luggage from Big Z none of that no none of that because usually the um the, the managers do that anyway so they didn't they didn't mess with him they didn't mess with him in that in that sort they just made sure he had his he had the donuts in the locker room before that, everybody got there that was it yep no popcorn in the car? That's good to see. Nope, no popcorn in the car. <laughs> and then what was it like to actually share the court with him? Because obviously, JR, now he was only 19, but there's very few guys, and even now, that come into the league with that type of expectation and pressure and just perform right away. Yeah, and, 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 he, and he lived up to all, the, to all the hype, and he's still living up to it. It was, it was fun playing with him because he's such a humble – he was such a humble guy. You know, I mean, he was young. He had all that pressure on him, and that's tough. It's not easy for an 18 year old, 17, 18 year old to to handle that type of pressure. But he was always outgoing, very funny, telling jokes. But he knew it was business when he got on the court, and and he handled his business. It's just you can see that he was going to be special just because of the work ethic that he put in, and he was just a freak of nature as far as athleticism and and knowledge of the game at a young age. And he's still an MVP candidate 16 years later. But, right. yeah, it's, 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 it's something to behold. But, uh, Jr. finishing off the, the Cleveland area. So, away from basketball more so, were there any favorite spots you had in Cleveland when you were there? You know, uh, food spots, club spots, any concert venues? And were you a Browns fan when you were in yeah. Cleveland? Yeah, I was a Browns fan. I still am. So, uh, I've been riding with them for a long time been a lot of letdowns but you know that's that's my those are my guys that's my team so I'm gonna stick I'm gonna keep sticking with them um I used to go downtown to XO a lot to eat and it was called the spy bars when I when you when you wished when we used to go out it's not called that anymore but is it still there nope spy bar is gone it's, ah. it's gone yep it's gone and Benny Hanna that's probably my, one of my favorite restaurants and it's still here 
That's good to hear. You know, did, did any of the same servers from when you used to go that are still there now? No, completely different. Everything has changed. I don't, I don't think there's one place that is the same as it was when, uh, what, how long ago was that? 16 years ago. Wow. Years. Yeah, time flies. Man, it flies. Uh, but all right, so, you know, it's almost like you never left now, you know, JR. Now, we're, we're going to talk about that in a moment, but how special is it? You know, you played at Cleveland Heights High. You know, you have your number 22 jersey retired. That's right, folks. Larry Nance is not the only one in Cleveland with the number <laughs> 22 jersey retired. How special is it, you know, JR, to now be the head coach where you played? Not, not really not that long ago. Yeah, it's, it's very special. It's like a – like a dream come true as far as your your first coaching job to be able to come back to your alma mater where where your jersey's retired and recently inducted to the Hall of Fame. So uh, that feels that that it feels great. And I was born and raised in Cleveland Heights. My both of my brothers they went to Cleveland Heights. So I've been around the district for such a long time. And now being able to 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 feel the the uh, the community how well they've, they've taken me in to come back as being a coach and being able to give back to these kids and help them become better young men and better basketball players. I couldn't ask for a better start. And how cool is it, Jay? Now, now you're, you're back exactly where you mentioned. You played here. You grew up here. So is it almost like – I mean, obviously, you're never too far from Cleveland even playing overseas for so many years. But is, how mm-hmm. cool is it now? You're able to – your livelihood is made in the gym where you put seats in your playing days. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible, and and to still see some of the guys, some of the fans that when I played, they're still coming back to the games and they're contacting me on Instagram and on Facebook. Like we haven't been to a game in such a long time, but now that you're back, I'm gonna make sure we get there. And that's just a a great feeling to know that what I, what I um the impact I had left on the community while I was gone, and then the impact that I'm that I'm having when I'm, when I'm coming back is an incredible feeling. And you played, you played for a long time, Jr. Four years in college at St. Bonaventure. Not, not, nothing to even add there. You were an incredible player there. Plenty of accolades in the Hall of Fame there. But you had a long career playing in several different countries. So how do you think that your playing career as a professional, both NBA and overseas, can help develop your coaching philosophy or philosophies? Uh, I think it's going to help a lot because I, I learned so much um, each, each year that I played after college. I think it was only one one season overseas where I had the same coach two years in a row. So I've learned so many different schemes and and how to relate to different players and how to relate to different characters and things like that. And I played with guys who who were night and day as far as personalities and things like that. And you got to be able to adjust to each one of the guys because you can't treat them all the same. They don't react the same to different things. So I think that's going to play an integral part in in my coaching career because I have that experience and I have those different styles that I've learned. And I remember a lot of the things from the different coaches and I take piece from each one and try to incorporate it with, with my guys. And I would guess this isn't a big thing, but I'm going to go back to when Giannis uh, was with the Bucks and they first brought in Jason Kidd and they were going through a practice and he had no idea who Jason Kidd was as a player, maybe because he grew up in a different background or maybe the NBA wasn't as big. Mm-hmm. as it is now so are there ever any inst- but what I love that he finds out he's like what you were this good coach is there any ever an instance uh JR where a, a kid kind of thinks oh you know maybe I'm I'm real good he's not as good but then you kind of remind them you know I was in the NBA right yeah I, I have that a lot I still have it I mean they all the guy all the kids know who I am and uh because their families and their older their older siblings and uncles and 
so they let them know when they're when they're enrolling and coming to play for me. But they still they still question things sometimes. So sometimes I'll send them a clip or like the NBA the NBA game on NBA TV. I'll I'll tell them to go tune in in that channel or even I'll I'll still lace them up and go out there and, and show them that they it's not much they can do with me now at forty. And then they're like, oh my God, coach. But they 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 challenge me and they and they question some things. But I I, I still set them straight all the time. It's it's all in fun. And now you're coming in, full season coming up. So what are your ultimate expectations uh, for your team this season, assuming you got a full slate of games? Ultimate expectations to get is to get the guys playing as hard as they can every game, every minute, every second. That's 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 my first goal, to be able to teach them like there there are no plays off. You can't you can't save anything. You gotta go out there and, and give everything if you wanna be successful and that's and that's gonna build them up for college and even professional level. Like they, they don't, they don't, they don't accept fifty percent or seventy five percent. They want one hundred percent all the time. And that's what I try and try to instill in the guys. And then as far as winning and losing, my my main goal is to win the LEL uh, again outright. Last year we won it, but we were um, we had the same record as Garfield, so it was it was a two way tie. And to get out of districts, you know, I don't think Cleveland Heights has been out of districts since 2003, maybe, or 2004. So it's been 16, 17 years for a program that's, that's pretty, pretty, pretty well known as like the mecca of basketball. So that's my goals. And so we talk about, that's, that's a great, great way to lead me in here. I appreciate that. You know, you talk about the, one of the last times that you got the Cleveland Heights advance. Now you were there, your junior season. How well do you remember the night of the state championship game as a player? I, I still can remember it like it was yesterday, like that experience and being in that arena and in and, and the crowd and, and playing that game. And uh, we actually should have lost the game, like if, if I can be honest a little bit. But uh, the, the Seth, he missed the layup at the buzzer by himself and he shot it over the, over the rim. And then after that, that would have won it for him. And then after that, in overtime is when we took over. And at that, at that point, we should have won. But in regulation, they had a really good opportunity to win the game. And then are you going – I'd assume you've even done this already. So, uh, question one, do you have the film uh, from that game? Do you still have it? Yeah, I just um, – one of my friends that said that you were allowed to order them off OHSAA. So, it's a DVD that you can go in there and order it. So, I actually have the, the full game. It's – it's not HD quality because you know <laughs> it's a, the quality is very very low, but you can you can tell who the players are and you and the game is still rocking. And would this be something? Let's say you guys have a big game. Would you be able to draw on this to kind of inspire? Or do you think it's just kind of a different different time in basketball then than it is now? No, I definitely could draw on it because that's that's all the kids' goals is to is to win the state championship, is to go down the states. You know that's that's what you hear a lot and. Fortunately, I'm, I'm I have the state championship ring. Like I can come in with the ring and say, "This is this is what you guys want," or I can show the tape and say, "This is what you guys want." But it's gonna take more than you just saying, "This is what I want to do." It's a lot of a lot of work, a lot of headaches, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of adversity that you got to be able to deal with to to reach that level. And then you know, obviously, long term goal: bring the chip back to Cleveland Heights you know obviously and it's probably hard to answer on the spot you hope it's every year but realistically you know uh, coach Bremer how long do you expect it to take for the team to be able to contend for that state title are they ready now I would assume they're ready now you, you're coaching yeah we um I, I want to try to build the program up to to be able to contend every single year but um uh I would say 
two or three years, I would I would like to have a state championship. But uh, the biggest goal for me is just to prepare them for the next level and to and to get them ready for college and 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 get them to being young men. Like the the wins and losses are great. I mean, it's, I love that. Of course, I would never say I don't want to win. But the ultimate goal is to get these guys in college for free, get them education, and, and teach them and teach them how to how to live on their own, and be ready for the real real world. It's spoken by a fantastic coach and uh, Coach J.R. Bremer. It's great having you on, talking about your days with the Cavs and the Celtics, and obviously Denzel Washington and Martin Lawrence as well. My guys. <laughs> it's been great having you on. I'm looking forward to connecting again in a later date, J.R. All the best this season, and uh, let's go Cavs. Can't wait to see okay. them play again. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was great talking to you. Great bringing back some memories that uh, I hadn't talked about in a while, so I appreciate it. So for J.R. Bremer, I am Zach Weiss. This is Across the Cavs, and we will catch you later. Make sure to follow later. us on Twitter at Across Cavs and on Instagram at Across the Cavs.